We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario, and I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is a man that's true to my heart because of his love of Mountain Dew. Um, So I just wanted to throw that out there. But it is Brian Driscoll, and he is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And uh, today, we are going to start our podcast series uh, called Replace and Reload. And uh, if you've been following uh, Brian over on irishbreakdown.com, you'll know that he's been firing through some of the position groups uh, already uh, in written form. But uh, we thought that this would make a a fun podcast uh, series as well. So uh, that is what we're going to get started on today. And the first position group that we're going to focus on is the tight end position and Look, this is uh, Notre Dame has been called probably two different U's, uh, uh, right? You've got tight end U and you've got O line U. And, I, you know, so we're going to talk about tight end first. And tight end has been very good to Notre Dame, obviously, uh, over the last 20 years, 15 years. And obviously, they've had some good tight ends even further back than that, but consistently. Uh, I would say over the last 20 years or so, uh, Brian, I'm sure will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but uh, I, I've been real happy with the tight end position. Look, this is a position that's loaded moving forward. Although a couple big losses uh, that we need to talk about first, Brian. 
And, and that's kind of the point of this of this article of this article series was to talk about what Notre Dame is losing and what they have to replace, and then right. their ability to reload. Because when you're at this point as a program, it's you know there's no excuses of well we lost x amount of starting linemen so we can't be good again. You know, look, Clemson lost four starting offensive linemen. Right. They were pretty good. You know they still went to the playoff. Um, you know so so that's really what it, what it's about. And when you look at Notre Dame, you have to replace Brock Wright who is a, a good blocker for you, played over 200 snaps this past year. And you have to replace Solid. Tommy Tremble, who to me was a, a, a way underutilized player for Notre Dame this year. And when they did use him, he was pretty good. And so it was a, to me, it was a missed opportunity for the staff this year. We talked about it a lot during the year. So this isn't like a new stance that we take how that was a guy that you had to utilize and the staff tried to pitch him on that, you know, from talking to sources, they tried to pitch him on, you know, Hey, next year, we're going to use you more and you're going to be a focal point and all this other kind of stuff. And I, you know, and this is my take from his response to it is I don't know what his response to it was other than he still declared for the, I was going to say that was his response. Yeah. (laughs) But it was one of those things where, okay, well you had a chance to do that with me this year and Michael Mayer was a freshman. So now next year as a sophomore, you're going to all of a sudden start, you know, giving me more opportunities and the frustrating thing for me is is tight end seems to be the same problem. Running back is I have no issue with how they use Michael Mayer, just like I have no issue with how they use Kyron Williams. My issue is why didn't you take advantage of both stud tight ends? You exactly. know, when you're going to be in two tight end personnel as much as they are, you got to utilize one of those guys more in the pass game. And, you know, M- Miller Forstall caught more passes early in the game for Alabama than 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 uh, than Tommy Trumbull did. Yeah, exactly. You're looking at me like, who's that? Right. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the second tight end at Alabama. <laughs> he caught a look screen and, and ran for over 10 yards against Notre Dame. So it's just one of those things where it was a missed opportunity and they tried to convince him that things would change next year. I was even told by one source they talked to him about using him more as a wide receiver, which I don't think was received very well by Tommy Trumbull. Yeah, so they got to replace him. And, and look, there's a lot of talent at the position. And the response from, from people who, who don't like to offer criticism to of the coaching staff at any point in time is, well, they've got so-and-so coming back. And I'm like, yes, that's true. But wouldn't they be even better with so-and-so exactly. and Tommy Trumbull exactly. coming back? So, um, you know, but, but I think if you just look at it, I do think that the recruiting that we saw at that position has, is strong enough to where Notre Dame can sustain a loss like Tommy Trumbull, assuming certain players step up. The problem is, is you're asking guys who don't have a lot of experience and a lot of playing time to step up. The good news is the guys that don't have a lot of playing time experience are talented players that with given the opportunity should be able to step into the spotlight and, and be good players. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions at tight end, you know I mean? And, and, People will say, well, Michael Mayer is this, that, and the other. This is true. Michael Mayer was is, an outstanding yeah. pass catcher, but there's no one on the roster that blocked anywhere close to the level that Tommy Trumbull blocked at last right. year. Right. Now, could could some guys step into that role? Sure, but they have to prove it. And sure. until they prove it, it's a question mark. Do I, do I have confidence that it'll happen? I do. Um, matter of fact, one of the players we're going to talk about was in my four breakout players that I anticipate being breakout players this spring and heading into the fall. Uh, so I'm confident that they'll still be good there. I, and, and I just, it would have been nice to be able to still sure. be good there and also have Tommy Trumbull as part of the mix, but this is why you recruit. This is why you recruit good players every year. And you don't ever say, well, we have so-and-so so-and-so on the roster because you never know when guys are going to go pro. You never know when guys are going to get hurt. You never know who's going to not pan out. And right. so this is why it's important to recruit at, at every position every year and not pass on positions 
like Notre Dame has had a tendency to do, unless it's a situation where we've seen them pass a tight end where they already had two younger players committed. Sure. So like sure. in the 2018 class, or excuse me, it was the 2016 tight end class. I believe they passed on a tight end because they already had commitments from Brock Wright and Cole Komet. Right. You know, and then we've seen them do that before where they'll just pass on the tight ends and say, Hey, we're, we're good here because they passed. Cause on they brought tight in end. multiple. Yeah. Right. I think, I think 2019, they passed on tight end as well. Cause they had brought in Tremble and Takas the year before. And then they had commitments from Michael Mayer and Kevin Valman in 2020. So it's okay to pass if you have a situation like that where right. you're going to overload in another year. And then the way that they use Michael Mayer this year, he played Kevin Bauman didn't. So they kind of spaced them. It, it almost makes it like one is from another recruiting class. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it's, it's worked out. They've done it smart at tight end. Uh, yeah, I agree. Not so much at other, some other positions, but. Uh. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, that's where we're at, Vince, is there's guys that they lost. And just like a lot of top teams, they got some really good players they're going to have to replace. And now it's up to John McNulty, the tight ends coach, who I think did a very good job with the tight end position group this year. Um, When you consider just the consistency from a fundamental standpoint, getting a freshman ready to play as quickly as he got Michael Mayer ready to play, not just talent-wise, but also assignment correctness, technique, all those kind of things. I think he did a very good job this year, very good job. And, uh, you know, now it's up to him to say, okay, we got some young guys that are, un- that are unproven that uh, we got to get up to speed. And how well he does that is going to determine just how good this position group is going to be this season. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Well, one of the cool things uh, on your written side of the uh, of this series, of the Replace and Reload series, is you always ask key questions. And I, I kind of wanted to go through those real quick um, and, and, you know, we'll touch on those questions and then we'll dig a little bit deeper when we start talking about who's coming back and what that looks like, you know, moving forward. Uh, but I wanted to go through those, those key questions. You had four of them for the tight end position. The first of which is, can Mayer take the next step as a player? Because remember, you know, he was, I guess, probably coming into the season, he was the number three tight end, um, at least to start things off. 
right. uh, but behind Wright and Tremble. And losing those two guys is, is still a major loss. You're still losing two-thirds of, of the guys that played on right. a consistent basis. So can, can Michael Mayer take that next step as a sophomore and basically the lead dog in the house uh, at that position? Yeah, and can you do it all around? I mean, and look, yeah, these yeah, key yeah. questions are essentially they have the how how effectively these questions get answered is going to determine how good this position group is going to be next year. And the reality is, is if you have a star at at a position, it's going to be healthy, you know. And essentially, if if those other guys don't pan out, and you have to go with basically one tight end more, you go more eleven personnel or maybe twenty one personnel next year, two backs, one tight can he be good enough to, to fill that void and to be that star player? And I think he can, but he has to do it. I mean, we've seen studs in the past, not at Notre Dame per se, because freshmen don't play a ton at Notre Dame, but we've seen guys take kind of sophomore slumps before. And, and it happens, you know, yeah, got guys are sure. great as freshmen. And then as sophomores, we get into a situation like Notre Dame is where, you know, two veterans that he kind of leaned on are now gone, you exactly. know, uh, and, and leaning on not so much as a player as, as also it, that's part of it, but it's also about leaning on about you know, how to go about your business every day, right? Leadership you know, in the room and right, all here's that how stuff. to study film. Here's right. how to pr- conduct yourself. Hey, I went through these classes my sophomore year. I had to take these classes and boy, it was a pain. And, and here's how, here's how I manage my time effectively. You know, those are things that people don't think about when they think about college football players, especially at Notre Dame and what it's like to kind of continue to mature your game. So Michael Mayer has to step up. He has to kind of be that guy that can can become the tone setter in that room. And you're asking a sophomore to do that, which is a lot of pressure. You know, whereas if you when you had Brock Wright and you had Tommy Tremble, you know, they could be the voices, and all Michael Mayer had to do was go out and play. Exactly. Well, he can't just go out and play as much now. He has to kind of he's gonna have more responsibility. Right. And when he went through some of his freshman slumps at times, and and the thing I love about Michael Mayer is his freshman slumps were like for half. Or a right. quarter. Sure. They yeah. weren't like three games, you know, because he's just so good. They weren't, they, they were small. It's like the it was Clemson like the first game. half of the Clemson game. Right. Yeah. But then the second half, he bounces back and makes big plays. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is. And that's why you get excited about what he could be. But sure. You know, he's going to be asked to do a lot more this year that, that we don't really, that, that fans don't get to see on a day to day basis that exactly. impacts what's going Because you overwhelm a guy mentally or off the field, then it's going to affect his on play production, which is why from year to year with a lot of players, you see a fluctuation. Otherwise, every single player would just have a steady up, you know, incline when it comes to his production sure. and play. That's not how it works. So, you know, we, we've seen it plenty. I mean, I think of an example, you know, Stefan Tuitt was great as a sophomore, good as a junior. You know, Lewis Nix, great as a junior, not some, you know, 2012, not so much of 2013. Well, you look, well, what happened? Well, you lost Capron Lewis Moore. You lost Manti Te. You lost some of the leaders that, sure. that were able to kind of light a fire under those guys, and they weren't as good. And so that can happen. And we, a question for me is, will that impact Michael Mayer and will that keep him from taking that next step as a player uh, or not? If it doesn't, then Notre Dame would be fine. They can just go 11 personnel and he's going to be the best tight, you know, one of the best tight ends in the country, if not the best tight end in the country next year. Uh, But obviously you'd like to see, to see more than that. Sure. And your next question is, is one that I think everybody's going to be asking. And, And I don't know if they're going to be asking it the correct way, um, but it's who's going to replace Tremble in the lineup. And it's not a question I was hoping that we would have to answer this year, uh, but obviously it is. 
And I don't know that you're going to be able to find somebody that's going to step in his shoes and do everything that he did. Right. It might be, it might be a, a committee uh, situation. You know what I mean? It, it very well could be. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on how Tremble is replaced in the lineup? I think the one thing is that, that coaches can make a mistake of it. And I have a feeling John McNulty is not going to be this kind of coach, but the mistake that a lot of coaches will make is, Okay, this is what this guy brought to the table. He's now gone. I got to find somebody else who can bring this to the table. And I think the right way to do it is, okay, I lost this guy. He was a unique player. Here's the guys that are stepping in. How can we fit their skill set into what we do offensively? John McNulty strikes me as the kind of guy with his experience and the places he's been that he's going to say, okay, I'm not going to ask George Takis or Crane Barong to be Tommy Trumbull. Yes, there are some similarities between Kane Barong and Tommy Trumbull. I think their games, their bodies their, are, are similar. But I'm not asking Kane Barong in 2021 as a true freshman to be what Tommy Trumbull was as a junior. That's exactly. just not fair to him. I'm not going to ask George Takis, who's a completely different type of athlete, completely different type of player, to be Tommy Trumbull. What you do is you say, who can replace him in the lineup in that? Who can be the second tight end? And then now it's up to the coaching right. staff to say, Here's how we're going to use them. Now, the good news is for Notre Dame is, as I said earlier, I think they misused Tommy Trumbull. The good news for that is they have some guys that can do the role that they had Tommy Trumbull do. Now, what they don't have is the role that they told Tommy Trumbull that they were going to use him for in 2021. Right. They right. don't have that guy. But it doesn't matter because they never actually used him that way. Exactly. I think so, that was all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, and just yeah, it, just trying to get him back, which I understand. Whatever it is, what it is. But yeah. so so the key is you say what you got to say to get yeah right. right. So like George Takis this spring, for example, George Takis is one of my breakout play predictors for this year. I really sure. I th when I look at George Takis play, and I thought this in 2019, I thought this now. Th there's at times at practice events where he was like their best tight end. I mean, yeah. we, we saw it. Absolutely. His kids was consistency and confidence. He doesn't have that natural supreme confidence in himself that Michael Mayer and Tommy Trumbull have. That's an issue for George Takis. Hopefully now he has kind of gotten past that. The thing with Takis is it's not about him saying, hey, I can replace what Tommy Trumbull brought to the lineup. It's can you prove that you're capable of using your skills and playing at a high level on a consistent basis? And if he does that, then he'll force himself into the lineup, and then Notre Dame staff will have to determine how can we bet if they're smart. And I and I think that I think they'll do this. How will we utilize his skill set to to now go out and be part of our twelve package and twelve personnel? Because right. you don't just run the same plays you ran here before. No smart staff does that. You know, when you have different <laughs> right. personnel, you you know, you, like Alabama's not going to probably not. I mean, I don't I don't know who their new offensive coordinator is going to be. If it's Bill O'Brien, I kind of chuckle at that, but that's a different story. Um, you know, how is he, how are they going to use the, you know, somebody's going to have to replace Devontae Smith in the lineup. They're not going to sure. just say, okay, here's all the routes that Devontae Smith right. run. And when here's we what this kid's so going to do, this is yeah. exactly right. what you're going to do. That's not necessarily how it works. So Couldn't for, be. yeah. So for me, I, I think it'll be George Takis has to prove he can be dependable and productive. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if he can prove to be dependable and productive, then he'll get that next shot in the lineup. And, and uh, you know, that, that's going to be the key for me. Uh, Kevin Bauman's going to get that shot this spring. You know, he's a talented and look, if Michael Mayer hadn't signed with Notre Dame, there'd be a lot more excitement about Kevin Bauman. Sure. I, I mean, he's a really good tight end, really good player. And, you know, so, so I think he brings some unique skills to the table. He brings some similar traits to the game that Tommy Tremble bought. He's not the, he's not the athletic athletic player that Tommy Tremble is, but he's an athletic player for a 
for a traditional tight end type kind of role. Bauman's unique because he's got he's got sort of a modern tight end body, but he has a bit of a traditional game okay. at tight end. And and so you know, I, I think he'll develop into a blocker, a really good blocker someday. Will that be 2021? Will he have enough strength and time in the weight room to, for it to be then? We'll see. We'll, we'll yeah. start to see this spring. Hopefully. But he he's an interesting guy that uh, that I think brings some some enticing traits to the table in regards to sort of cheating a little bit to my third question, and that is, you know, will they use more than two tight right. ends? Right. Right. He's going to be key to that, and we'll dive yeah. more into that as as we get to that next question. But but you know, I think those are the first two guys that I look at and say one of those two guys has to step up this spring and say, hey, I'm the number two tight end, or or. Right. Right. Or as it was in my opinion last year, I'm one B. Sure, and and because Tremble wasn't technically the number two tight end. If you look at usage, he was the one B <laughs> tight end. It was yeah. because they were both on the field so often. I mean, they started together many many games. Yeah, exactly. It was more one B. There wasn't a gap. You know, Mayer was more used in the pass game. Tremble was more used in the run game. But they were both used a lot in both on the areas. Field side. And that's what I mean when you talk about does George Takas prove that, Hey, I'm capable of being the second tight end on the field at the same time, or is he more of a, Hey, I've proven that I can be a rotation guy that when Michael Mayer needs a breather, I can be that guy that gives him a breather. There, there's a big gap between those two things. Sure. And what yeah, does right. George Takas or Kevin Bauman prove themselves to be? Are they the one B or are they a clear number two where you're not going to use them as much? Because the other part of this too, is the reason Tommy Tremble was used as much is because, he was better than a lot of the receivers. I mean, when especially when guys are getting hurt. So if the receiver group has a great spring and they, Kevin yeah, Bauman or, yeah. Ke, or, or George Takis don't step up and prove to be as good as them, because as a second tight end, you're not just competing against the tight ends. You're also competing against receivers, whether Absolutely. you go 11 personnel or 12 personnel or 21 personnel. If your 12 personnel set means you have to take four more talented players off the field then as a coach, you'd be foolish to use a lot of 12 personnel. Sure, sure. You know, so that's that's really what we need to find out from from that position group this spring when it, when, it, when we talk about replacing Tommy Trumbull. Well, and, you, you, and you've got two running backs that have proven that they can do good things, uh, and putting them on the field at the same time is not a bad you know, situation to go. So, I mean, if you, if you were going to go you know, 21 personnel or if you even 22 personnel, but then – you're taking wide receivers off the field. So, you know, what does that group look like? There, there's so many parts to that question about whether there's going to be two and three tight end sets. You go with what your strength is and what is going to make you the most multiple when you're on the field, uh, at least from my perspective. And I'm sure that that's the way you feel too, is I'm going to put my best players on the team on the field and they're the, the guys that give us the best chance to be successful. And if that's two and three tight ends, then great. If it's one tight end, two running backs, great. If it's 11 personnel and three receivers, then great. You know, I mean, it just, it just really depends on where they put their emphasis on uh, who they think can give them the best chance to be successful. If that makes any sense. It does. It yeah. does. Yeah. And that's, that's, what's going to, that's what I really, one of the things I really like about covering college football is there's just so much turnover year after yes. year. Yes, especially when you're at a good program and, and you have players like Tommy Trumbull who are talented enough to even as the second tight end to get NFL feedback saying, yeah, you're a second, third round draft pick, you know. Right. And, um, you know, that's kind of part of the fun of it is 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 seeing those guys really develop and seeing those sure. guys grow up and 
and seeing these guys like George Takis, who has like five career catches for like 42 yards to set, you know, to go from that. And then as a senior, all of a sudden, you know, he could catch 20, 30 balls this year. He's got that kind of talent, but right. But that's the fun of it. That's the fun part of seeing guys step into those roles. I mean, when, when Drew Tranquil was lost to kind of, to see the evolution of Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa in, in the couple years after Drew Tranquil was, was done playing Rover. I mean, that's fun. That's the fun part of it. And, you know, to watch Kyle Hamilton step into the role that was left by Jalen Elliott and Elohi Gilman. That's, that's one of the things I like about covering college football is you see these, this maturation happen and you see these kids that you really, sometimes when you cover recruiting, you meet when they're sophomores and juniors in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And then you watch them grow up and become what they become. So uh, that's the fun of it. But yeah, those are the questions that have to get answered. And, and you know, will those guys step up and, and say, hey, you have to play me because I'm that right. good. I've and proven I, myself. And that's and what I you wa- want to have happen. Yeah, no, I, you're absolutely right. I, I want to save your last question uh, for our, our kind of next segment, if you will. <clears throat> um, but uh, I, I want to we have to quickly take a break and we want to hear from uh, one of our friends of the show. Listen, folks, the Super Bowl is coming up. And sure, we'll be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans can go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, the Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across all the professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off the annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com right now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code IRISH. This offer won't last long, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a Pro subscription and use promo code IRISH to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Okay, welcome back, Irish fans. So we are talking about the uh, the tight end position. <clears throat> Excuse me, replace and reload. What is that position going to look like as we move forward? And this is uh, this is a fun group. And I, look, if you would have told me two months ago that we would be trying to replace Tommy Tremble, I would have been really upset with you even bringing that up. Uh, that would not have made me happy, but that is the situation that is the world we are living in today. So, uh, they do have to replace Tommy Tremble. We know Michael Mayer, what he did last year. Can he take that next step? That's one of our questions moving forward. Um, he's, he's the leader in the clubhouse moving forward. And, you know, what are we going to expect from him? Um, it, it is going to be a big question as to how they're going to approach this position group and, I think that's going to be fun to watch personally. Um, and hopefully he takes that appropriate step moving forward. Uh, I, I really hope to see that because I think that he can be the best tight end in the country. There, there's no doubt in my mind that he can be that. Um, and so now it's what does it look like behind Michael Mayer? You, you, you mentioned George Takis. Right. Uh, you met, mentioned Kevin Bauman. Uh, there's a couple freshmen coming mm-hmm. in. So the, 
what does it look like behind Michael Mayer? Let's talk about that real quick. Well, the nice thing about the tight end position is Kane Barong and Mitchell Evans are both going to be early enrollees. Yeah, so, so, when we, so every tight end that they're going to have on the roster in the fall is going to be on the roster in the spring. Right. That's it's huge. huge. I mean, unless they get some kind of grad transfer, but That's... but I don't I don't really think there's a need for that. No, you have, you have the talent, just develop it, coach it up. Right, right. You know, the, the question is 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 you know to me is so let, let's kind of tie in a in a couple days. I think I think Thursday. I, I can't remember. Maybe it's tomorrow, Vince. I can't remember. I have to look at our schedule. But one day this week, we're going to start talking about. Also, we're gonna we're not going to do replace and reload every day. We're going to mix in other right. topics each day. Right. And. uh one of them is going to be the need for the philosophical changes. And then it's I'm tomorrow. still working. I'm still working on a scheme to edit tomorrow. Okay, good. Uh, see, that's what I have to ask the boss on that one. And you're the, <laughs> you're the schedule boss when it comes to the podcast. Um, one of the, one of the, I'm still working on scheme changes article. I think I'm going to break it down into three or four different articles to try to, so it's not so overwhelming as they're all in one. First one's going to be talking about RPOs, but one of the things that I will say in my philosophical one is the need to be more explosive and the need to be, you know, to push the tempo. And I'm going to talk about the need for RPOs and enhancing the pass game and the quick game and those kind of things. But here's the thing about it. That does not mean you have to go 11 or 10 personnel, 10 personnel being one, one, one back, zero receivers for, or zero tight ends, four receivers or 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three receivers. Alabama this year was about 50, 50 when it came to being three receivers and, and, and or, or two tights when, yeah. especially when Jalen Waddle went down. When Jalen Waddle went down, they became a much more two tight end dependent offense. And, and so, as I've said before, going making these philosophical changes doesn't mean you need to run the identical offense to Oklahoma or, or to Ohio State or to Clemson. You still can build around your personnel. And the unique thing about the players that Notre Dame has brought in at tight end is they can all catch the football and they can all be dangerous weapons in different ways. So, I don't think that you have to make this decision of, well, do we want to be tight end oriented or do we want to be explosive? I think those two things can go hand in hand, especially when you have players like Michael Mayer. And, and you know, let's just say you don't have a second tight end that's a legitimate weapon in the pass game. Well, that's fine. You can use that guy as a blocker. You know, I mean, if you're smart about how you use your mo motions and formations and things like that. You can, you know, the way that they used Tommy Tremble last year, like let's just say George Takis is more of a blocker. Let's say they're going to use him this year. He's more of a blocker than he is a pass catcher. Or let's say it's Kevin Bauman. Well, as many times as you lined up Tommy Tremble in a wing or in like a fullback alignment, you can just as easily go four, four players release. You can have the running back release into a route. You can have your, your Michael Mayer release to a route and your two receivers releasing a route. And you can have your tight end be in position to where he can block a mic protection from the wing or from like that H back position, which is how Notre Dame used their tight end. So again, if you're smart and you're creative and you think outside the box and you watch, you know, other teams, you say, okay, well, we can't, we don't have the personnel to do it this way, but with our personnel, we could do it this way and it would really work for us. And that's what I want to see Notre Dame do. And because I don't think being explosive means you have to go play eleven personnel. There's this right. misconception that two tight ends equals like some some somebody was I was debating with somebody the other day. They're like, well, you know, Notre Dame's, you know, they they like to run the ball and 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 all these other kind of things. So, you know, that's you have to be ball control. I'm like, that's nonsense. Oklahoma and Ohio State all run for way more yards. Than Notre Dame ran for Clemson in 2018 and 2019 ran for way more yards than Notre Dame ran for this past year. Right. You don't have to be ball control to be really good at running the football. That's exactly. nonsense. And so, and, and a point that I look to is go look, go watch Notre Dame during the first 
I think, what, eight or nine games of the 2017 season. And especially as they kind of got more and more into the chip long era, they were a, they would push the tempo more, much more than they did in 2018 and 2019. And they were running for four or 500 yards a game. They were running for 300 yards a game. I mean, I think they ran for over 300 yards, like seven times in the first, like nine games of the year that year. And they were scoring points at will against people because they were pushing the tempo and they were running the football. I mean, if you, again, if you go back and look at it, they ran for 400. This is the first eight games, nine games of the year, 422 rushing yards, 515, 182, 333, 341, 377, 318, 380. Well, if you go back and look at it through the first nine games of the year, they were averaging over 40 points a game. They scored 49 on BC, 49 on Temple, 38 on the road at Michigan, who was a 10-win team that, that went 10-3 and three that year. They scored 49 points on an 11-win USC team, 49 points on an 11-win USC team that ranked, ranked 12th, and then they scored 35 points on NC State, and they had a defensive touchdown in there. But And that team wasn't as nearly as efficient as it could have been because they, they weren't real great at throwing the football. Sure. You know, so <clears> – <throat> I'm not saying 2017 was the ideal offense. What I'm simply saying is you can run the ball and be tempo and be explosive in it. And then you clean up the pass game and make the pass. I mean, think about how good the 2017 offense would have been if they could throw the ball more effectively, not just a quarterback, but also a receiver because they were still dead set for a while. They're on playing Cam Smith and Freddie Canteen over Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to, to, to be, okay, we're going to be a, uh, a team that, that runs RPOs. That means we have to be in 11 personnel. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Nope. Uh, it just means that if you're going to be in 12 personnel more, you have to be more creative with how you're using that 12 personnel in the run and pass game. And as I said before, one of the issues I had with Notre Dame, and I, and I watch them and break them down every week, is it got real easy by the fourth or fifth game of the year to, for, for you and I as, as coaches to say, okay, they're throwing the ball here. Okay, here comes a run. And a lot of times I could have an idea of it was going to be one of two runs based on how the back was lined up. It's either going to be inside zone or counter. That, that's the two options based on how they're lined up here, that kind of thing. And if I can do that, what are de- really good defensive coordinators are going to do? You know, And so um, that, that was the thing. And that's why when you played the better teams, you, you had more problems scoring. You know, And so those, those are the things that you point to, Vince, and say, they don't have to be locked into this personnel to do something. And I, right. when I look at Notre Dame, if George Takis and Kevin Bauman have big springs, I have no issue with Notre Dame using three tight ends. And I don't mean going 13 personnel all the time. Sure, right. Three tight ends is part of your rotation. You know, right. so Mayer's going to play a ton, and then you're going to have different roles for Takis and Bauman. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm, doing, I'm fine if they want to go 50-50 with 12 personnel versus 11 personnel. There's nothing wrong with that. If those guys are legitimate pass weapon pass weapon options, what gets into what, where this is going to get tricky for the tight end position is if Takis and Bauman prove capable of being really good blockers, but not weapons in the pass game, that puts you in a puts you at a disadvantage if you're going to stick to twelve personnel. What right. made the twelve personnel effective for Notre Dame this year, even though they didn't use it as much as they should have, you still had to respect the two tight ends yeah. in the pass game. Yeah. And, yep. and, and so that, that made it dangerous, but if they get out there next year and Takis and tremble or Takis and Bauman aren't presenting the same matchup problem for in different ways. Cause you know, tremble could do it with speed. George Takis can do it. Cause he's six, six has great body control and very good ball skills. You know um, if you're not doing it, then, then that's when teams can really key like, Hey, look, we want you to throw the ball out of 12 personnel. Exactly. Because yep. we don't think that you, you can beat us with this guy. And we know that, 
we know that one of your tight ends and your back are going to stay in a block. So we, we, we can, we can better defend that. So sure. that that's going to be the interesting thing. And when we talk tight end specific, that is really more than anything, what I'm concerned about. I have no pro I have no question that George Takis and Kevin Bauman are going to be competent blockers for Notre Dame. None, especially Takis. Cause he's done it. We've seen him play yeah. a decent amount in the run game. The question is, can those guys this spring prove to be competent, not just competent, but, but effective pass catchers. And if they're not able to do that, then the ability to use the two tight end sets, it's going to be much more challenging, far more difficult. And it's going to present you with some, some matchups that your situations that you're not going to, you're not going to be as effective against better teams because they're going to be able to get a better read on what you're doing. And they're going to have the personnel to stop it. And that's, that's what we saw from this year is, you know, whether you want to admit it or not, not you, Vince, just theoretically people. Um, you get judged at Notre Dame by what you do against the best teams on your schedule. Absolutely. You don't get judged because you'd beat Duke or Georgia Tech or Navy or, you know, teams like that. You get judged on what you do against Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, USC when they're now, good. if you lose to those teams, that's another conversation. But right. you're right. But, but, I understand yeah, what you're saying. Right. And, and you know, but it's – and the reality is, is the only game where you can say that there's been an exception to this is the Clemson game where they were missing their their three best defensive players. And and that was the Clemson game. And even then, Notre Dame only scored 26 points in regulation. That's it on offense. Just remember, the 33 points came as a part of a defensive touchdown. And and so you look at it and say the offense isn't isn't good enough when it matters most, right? And part of that is usage, but then – if, if you're going to be good in those situations, you cannot afford to have a second tight end playing 30, 40, 50 snaps if he's not a two-way, a, a dual-threat player. Sure. That, that's what it boils down to. And to me, that's the bigger question is, will a second tight end prove to be a legitimate force in the pass game? doesn't mean he needs to catch 50 balls. If he catches 20. Or, he needs you to know, be an option that, that right. people are he, afraid of. Where yeah. if they don't cover him and we we mess up here, they're going to hit a seam route right. to attack us. If we don't respect him, they're going to be, they're, they're going to do this with him. They're going to beat us on a drag route. They're going to run him on a corner route, something like that. Where you know if we get too aggressive with our our secondary coverages and our safeties coming down and to stop the run game, they can beat us for a big play with Tackus and yeah. and or Bauman or Kane Barong or whoever. And to me, that's that is something that to that that that's the bigger question for me. I have no issue with the run blocking. The run blocking will be fine. But if they want to beat the big boys, all right. And there aren't a lot on the schedule in the regular season, if we're being honest. Uh, I don't know if there really is any big boy on the regular I, season schedule. But in the postseason, I, it's going to yeah. be different. Well, and I know that this isn't part of the conversation. I was looking at next year's schedule, and I, I see what three ranked teams. On that depends schedule. on your look. It's three to four. You got Cincinnati, you've got yep. um, USC, you've got North Carolina, okay. and you've got Wisconsin. I didn't I have USC North Carolina being ranked high is a is is ridiculous. I've seen people rent North Carolina top ten, and I'm like, they lost two thousand oh, yeah. yard rushers, a thousand yard receiver, like, and they went eight and four with those guys. Right. Wh- I know. What the heck? I know. I look. I'm not. It, it's funny to already hear people talking about how difficult this schedule is going to be next year because they see Cincinnati on there or the, you know, <laughs> just look, Cincinnati's going to be a good ball club. They didn't lose a whole lot going into next year. You know what they lost? They lost their defensive coordinator, which right. is, it was huge. Uh, and Notre Dame's got two of their coaches right now. So I, I guess I'm not as worried about Cincinnati, but again, that's a whole, if other... you're, ha- if you're hanging your resume on beating Cincinnati, then well, that's I, I to think... me, that speaks volumes about the quality of your schedule. 
Yeah, well, I, and I think that uh, I, I think the people are looking at that as one of the tougher games on the schedule, which is and it is it, it which is but that says why it is about how good Cincinnati is. That's exactly correct. I I don't. I'm already hearing people talk about how difficult the schedule is next year, and it just doesn't fly with me. That's all. Right. So it it it's 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 a quality schedule that's got good depth. It's a Notre Dame schedule. Right? I mean, it, it is. It, it's that a is... current Notre Dame schedule. It's not what it's been in the past. I mean, this right. isn't a Lou Holtz, and I've kind of felt bad for Bob Davy very rarely. But man, they gave him some brutal schedules. You yeah, know? So, I mean, by September they'd play. By the end of September, you've played four ranked Big Ten teams sometimes. Right. Right. Third, but. No, this is that Notre Dame has definitely created more manageable schedules, yes. and I'm okay with that. I mean, me too. Um, the landscape know, of what's going on it, that benefits you. That's what other leagues are doing. I mean, Absolutely. Alabama sometimes plays two FCS teams in the same year, so right. I don't have a problem with it. Exactly. And they play Georgia once every five or six years in the regular season, so I'm okay with it. And right. And you know, I mean, maybe Purdue's better next year than we think that they're going to be. You know, than they have been the last couple of years. I mean, so there's always some teams that sneak up on you, but there's no Clemson, there's no Ohio State, there's no Georgia, there's no Florida, there's no Alabama, and then you know, it is what it is. But can I can I ask you a Purdue question? Of course. Real quick? <laughs> I know, and again, we're, we're we're trailing off here, but why is Purdue hiring all of their defensive position coaches? but not a defensive coordinator. How well, I think they're going to go, they're going to go co-coordinators. So okay. the guy that they just hired yesterday, that's going to coach their line. I think their D line. Right. And he comes is, back. He coached the D right. line there before he's going to be their code defensive coordinator. So I have a feeling that they're going to have a linebacker. Gotcha. The, one of the coaches on the staff be the code. Okay. And you're seeing a lot more teams do that with their defensive coordinators. Yeah. If you can't hire a stud, then you have to put together a staff that works really well together. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that's more conducive on defense than it is offense, because I think defense really, it's so like with RPOs, you have to have two different defensive calls as well. That's true. You have yeah. to have a run stopping look, and then you have to have one that can cover the secondary. Sure. And we saw Notre Dame kind of do that. I mean, you you made Terry Joseph the pass game coordinator on defense. Sure. So what you're doing is essentially like, you know, one guy's going to make the calls on game day, right? And then the other guy, like, hey, you're the one responsible for breaking down what we need to do coverage-wise and how this fits against this, that, and the other. And, and you're giving them a lot of that work. It's almost sure. kind of like when you have an offensive coordinator when the head coach is the play caller. Right. That kind right. of thing. And that's right. what the co-coordinator will do. So okay. um, I think that's where they're going as opposed to trying to get a name. You know, the, if you look, we got two guys that, that bring skills and we're, this we're going to do. I think the good news is this is kind of sidetrack. I think hiring the defensive line coach, it's a co-coordinator, and they've already hired a linebackers coach is good news for Notre Dame because it means Mike Elson's not leaving. Yeah, yeah. And well, and the fact that he was so involved uh, in the latest Notre Dame commitment. Ty, Tyson uh, Ford, right. Tells me that he's not going it's anywhere. It's a great sign for Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, Because Mike, Mike, getting Mike Elson back it, it, with Marcus Freeman, oh. we've already seen what that duo can do on the defensive line. Yeah. You know, and yep. so that's a, that's a big, big one. But anyway, back to tight end. Yes. So I want to bring it around, and I wanted to ask you um, about the, the incoming freshmen. And, and mm -hmm. you had mentioned already – that they were both going to be on campus, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, for those of you following along, it's Kane Barong and Mitchell Evans. Those are going to be the two incoming freshmen. Um, and it, we're hearing a lot of good things about Kane Barong and what he brings to the table. Um, and 
do you think he could potentially see the field? Um, and probably more so than Mitchell Evans. Mitchell Evans is a big kid. He's 6'7", 240. And he played he quarterback. Play quarterback. Yeah, right. he played quarterback. Right. So I think he's going to have to – there's going to be a little bit more finesse time for mm-hmm. him, uh, you know, learning the position, the nuances mm-hmm. of being a tight end, et cetera. But Kane Barong. Do you see him getting on the field potentially uh, this fall? I think he'll have a chance. You know, I, I think there's going to be a temptation of the staff that that he's look. So he's listed it. I think Notre Dame listed him like six three two fifteen. That was like how big he was as a sophomore. Okay, he's, he's bigger. He's going to be two thirty five, two forty when he shows up. But that's still not huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got some Tommy Tremble in his game, and I think there's going to be a temptation with the guys returning that you know let's limit his playing time to four games and give him a red shirt. Sure. I think there's going to be that temptation unless he's just really good. And, and that's certainly possible. I, I think the thing for me with Kane Barong is I want to see what his presence does for Kevin Bauman and George Takas, because yeah. I think yeah. having a freshman show up and be like, Hey, if you don't ball, I will gladly take your role. Yeah. <laughs> is going to be good for Notre Dame. And, and, and I think the thing about Kane Barong too, when I, when I mentioned Tommy Trumbull, I, I don't mean it as their body types are similar which is, it is, but it's not quite as much what I mean. What I mean is when you watch, when I first saw Kane Barong, right? And this was like, I was given a heads up that he was going to commit at some point time soon back, back when he did commit. This has been a while ago. He committed pretty early. And I, so I popped in his film and I, and I looked at his profile. It was like thinking like six four two fifteen, And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be like a athletic, you know, play a lot in the slot, play a lot outside guy, pass catcher kind of guy. And I'm watching this film, like the first five plays I saw were just like crushing blocks. I'm like, good Lord. Like, then you watch him play. I watched a couple games and I'm like, this dude is physical. This dude is nasty. Like this guy likes to block just as much as he likes to catch the football. And that's, that's what I mean when I say he's got Tommy Trumbull in his game. Gotcha. He's not the biggest guy, but he is a ferocious blocker, a very physical blocker. Uh, and he's got really impressive natural strength, which is important. You know, he blocks like a much bigger player. And so I think that's going to, that's something that could really help him because the danger you run into with an undersized tight end, undersized meaning he's not as big as Cole Komet, is that, you know, can they handle themselves in a run game? Well, sure. I think Kane Barong is going to make a quicker transition into the run game than he is a pass game because the pass game, there's just more complexity to it as, as with any, I mean, any offense, the, you know, the route combinations, the depths, and all those things are different. Uh, you know, so I, I think he's got a chance to really make a push where if he doesn't play his performance in the spring and, and next fall camp is going to be such that he's going to impact the depth chart one way or the other, either a, he beats somebody out or B his play makes George Takis and Kevin Bauman say, Hey, I can't take this day off. I can't take this rep off. I can't take this series off. I can't take this play off because if I do, and they put Kane in for me. I may never get my spot back. Yeah, I love that. And I like that. And I think that's why it's, again, a good reason to recruit. So um, he's an interesting player. You know, the other thing, too, about him, Vince, is I have never seen a Notre Dame recruit, or really any recruit, have such a variety in how he is perceived by the recruiting services industry. It is the most it is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Because when really? you – Oh, yeah. It's – you know, and again, I don't put a ton in into – I think it's fun to to know, but so for example, 24 seven sports, their personal rank. So like they have the composite ranking and then their ranking composite. They have him ranked number 225, but they personally have him ranked as the number 28 tight end in the country and the number 36 player in the state of Georgia. Right. So 28th tight end 
36th player in the state of Georgia. Rivals has him as the number 33 tight end in the country and the number 44 player in the state of Georgia, right? That's national ranking. When then you look at then you look at uh, SI All American, and they rank him I think fifty first. I have to go back and look at it again, but I think they rank him like fifty first in the nation, and ESPN ranks him fifty second, something like that. So like, so two organization recruit him as as a borderline top fifty player in the entire country overall, not just his overall. Position. Yes, and then two others don't even have him in the top thirty in his own state. Yeah. So it is the most bizarre thing. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what they what the two see. Uh, I've talked to the people at SIL American, and they've seen them and they've seen them live. They've seen them at camps, and they love them. And I remember, I remember talking to uh, to somebody close to to Kane after an event he was in last summer, and he was dominant. People talking about how he was the best player there, and linebackers couldn't guard him, and he's beating top hundred linebackers. And then, and then somebody that person was who so some SI people saw that and, and they were impressed by it and then and then I read a somebody sent me a rivals report and they were talking about how 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 bad he was and the it's same just, camp same camp and, and it just you know and it was just kind of but then I saw the clips and I'm like yeah whoever said he wasn't good at that camp was watching the wrong dude <laughs> like I don't know what it is like they, they were watching the wrong because that's happened sometimes like like you know you go to these events and you don't really know a kid and you you think he's this kid's wearing number such and such. Right. I had that happen to me once at a, I was at a, a, a camp when I was coaching and, and the kid that I, the roster had this kid that I wanted to look at as a number, like this is the number he's wearing on his Jersey, but then they assigned him at the actual camp, a different number because oh, okay. the rosters generated before. So I'm watching this kid. I'm thinking this kid is freaking terrible. Like, I'm not recruiting this kid. Then I, then I found out like, wait a minute, that doesn't look like, and this kid that I'm looking, it's like supposed to be like six foot one seventy five. This kid I'm looking at, it's like, five nine a buck 50 like then i found out like it was the wrong kid and so yeah but maybe that happened i have no idea but to see that kind of gap is wild to me for me personally i tend to be i don't think he's a top 50 player i ranked him more as a top 150 ish like 100 to 150 kind of player but i think he's a i mean alabama offer lsu offer ohio state offer oklahoma offer Florida, right for georgia texas auburn oregon penn state michigan all the big ones when Okay, when when you see two services, especially because I have a lot more respect for the SI ninety nine SIL American people than I do ESPN. Okay, I just I don't have a lot of respect for ESPN's rankings, but when I see the offer list, and then I see that talent, and then I see the SI ninety nine ranking, and then I pop in the film, I'm like, yeah, this kid can play. Yeah, and and so I'm curious to see kind of what he does sure. uh, this year coming in because I think he's a guy that. If he doesn't produce, he's going to be a driving force behind Kevin Bauman and George Takis stepping up and producing. So it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how he develops and see who's right. Is SI and ESPN more right on him or is Rivals and 247 more right on him? Because that that is a wide, sure. wide. I mean, I've never seen anything like that, Vince. Yeah. I've seen it where like one service will have a guy rank low. Like you remember when Rivals was like stubbornly kept insisting that Liam Eikenberg was a three-star. Yeah, and it wasn't until job. he went to the all Under Armour All American game, like dominated a bunch of five stars. They reluctantly put him in the top two hundred, and even then, they had was like one eighty something. Yeah, it, sometimes you just get this burr up your, you know what, and you just don't want to rank a guy a certain way, or you don't want to go back away from your original analysis of a guy, and you don't allow his game to develop. And of course, the people that had Liam Eikenberg as a top hundred recruit are going to look a lot better than rivals who stubbornly kept him as a three star until you know an All Star game after a senior year. Uh, 
but you just it, that happens sometimes and that's that's kind of the fun of following recruiting because there are so many services now that that are offering yeah. analysis that it makes it fun but Cambarong's an interesting one I've, I've never quite seen anything like like what we saw with how he was ranked so the tight end position I think is one of strength for Notre Dame I think the future is very bright uh, for Notre Dame, they, they continue to recruit well at that position. It's a young position now all of a sudden uh, at Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, you've got Michael Mayer. He's going to have three years left. And now George Texas is going to be a senior, but I'm pretty sure he's got two years left overall, right? Um, well, technically three. Well, technically you, three because of the COVID it, right. year. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we're going to be looking at a lot of the same faces uh, in that tight end room for, mm -hmm. for a little while at least. So, yeah. well, you're going to get two more years of Michael Mayer. Enjoy them. Okay. <laughs> what, right. Just That's telling you, Notre Dame fans, you're going to get two years of you're going to get 2021 and 2022 of Michael right. Mayer, and that barring injury, that is it. That's all yes. you're going to get from Michael Mayer, and that so and that's fine. You, yeah, that that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. So, just you're right. Enjoy him while we got him. Uh, so. Now, I will say this about that too, Vince. Real quick, to interrupt. I I have been told Notre Dame has a commitment in 20, the 2022 class already from a kid named Jack Nickel, who's a tight end from Georgia, good solid player. I'm told they're still recruiting tight ends in the 2022 class. They won a second tight end. So that's going to be two years in a row they're bringing back two oh, tight wow. ends. That tells me the staff smartly is anticipating, hey, this kid was really good as a freshman. <laughs> the odds of him staying for four years are slim. 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 Uh, and that's smart. I mean, that's good coaching. That's what yeah, you right. want a staff to do. You want Absolutely. them to say, hey, look, we know what we got here, and we got, we're going to prepare our roster accordingly. Sure. Uh, and, and that is good. But, yes, you think about it, Takis is going to be a senior. There's nobody else. It's two sophomores and two freshmen. Right, right. And then potentially two incoming freshmen next year. So, right. you're, yeah, you're going to be right. young at that position for a little right. while, uh, which right. is fine. I mean, as long as you're bringing in quality guys, mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. So, uh, so, yes, the tight end position is a position of strength. It's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. Brian referenced what our tomorrow show is going to be about. Uh, we're going to talk – uh, a potential shift in offensive philosophy and what that looks like. And I, yes. I'm excited for what this conversation. What it needs to look like. Is that, that it's, yeah. it's more so we, we're not saying what the Notre Dame staff is going to do. Right, because we I'm don't gonna, know. Look, I've said, look, here's the way I look at it, Vince. I don't believe that you should just do drive-by criticisms of coaches. I don't. I think that if you're going to criticize a coach for something, he doesn't recruit, he doesn't do this, they need to do this, then you need to offer solutions. And that's what we're going to do. So I've been critical of the Notre Dame offense. I said they need to be better. They got to score more. So I'm not going to just leave it at that and give you lazy criticisms of, well, they just need to do this. And I'm not going to be lazy and say, well, they need to be like Oklahoma or they need to be like Alabama. We're going to talk about philosophical changes that are appropriate to Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm excited. That are going to allow, that should allow them to be, to get, start getting the most out of the offensive talent that they have. Cause that's the big thing is I don't. Yep. And all the people saying, well, they don't have this, don't have that. Yes, they do. They have plenty of talent to be about a 40-point right, per game exactly. team. It's got to be yep. utilized. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try to offer solutions that that we think if the staff adopts these solutions that things will go well. And this comes from my own experience as a coach, looking at the Notre Dame personnel, and then studying what has worked. And, and not what has worked is like this concept, this curl-flat concept works, so they need to adopt. It's not, it's not what we're talking about per se. About philosophy, not play call. Philosophical, schematic, yeah. overall big-picture things that need to happen that Notre Dame has the personnel to execute and emphasize. Right. And so that's what we're going to dive into because, like I said, I don't want to be that 
I just I get sick of it of reading criticisms, and it's not about Notre Dame because I don't read other Notre Dame writers. It, it's more of when I when I watch the Broncos, I'm as a Broncos fan, or I watch a, you know, somebody criticize the Reds and say, well, they they got to do this more, or they got to do that more. Or when I see people criticize other college teams, and it's like, well, you're not really talking about solutions, right? You're just being critical for the sake of being critical. And if you don't have solutions, then I think you need to be you need to be careful of what your criticisms are. You need to be willing yep. to say, hey this needs to change. Okay. Well, what does that look like at right. our school, at our specific school? You can't just say adopt Alabama's offense. It doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. So what are, what are some solutions? And that's what we're going to dive into. So this week we're going to talk philosophical changes. And, and then next week we're going to dive into some specific schematics about RPOs and past game concepts and things like that. Are you going to get out the back, whiteboard? I'm not going to get out the whiteboard. Oh. Uh, uh, I'm going to talk about some, some usages of personnel, some more specific football specific okay. things, X and O specific things. But this tomorrow is going to be more about philosophical changes that yeah, everything else needs to be too. built around. So that's, that's where we're going to be at. All right. Sounds good. So make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com uh, as well, uh, because, of course, that will uh, I think he said he's going to do a, a multi-part series uh, in the written form of that philosophical change. And uh, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, however you do your thing for podcasts so that you get notified when we get a new one coming down. But we're excited to bring uh, one to you tomorrow. So make sure you stay locked in there uh, for Brian Driscoll. I'm Vince D'Addario, and we'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.